and Ganu versus Saragon. Fight prediction. Dun, dun, dun. Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys, you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Follow me on Parlor at FightJunkie. Listen to me on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, I'll be there. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, wait. Hold up. Scratch that. YouTube deleted my channel. Um, let me think. Okay. I got it. You can also subscribe to the Rumble channel. Rumble.com slash Fight Junkie. Want live stream? Twitch.tv slash Real Fight Junkie. The Campeon Francis Ngannou. 16 wins, 3 losses. Of his 16 wins, 12 by KOTK, 4 by sub, 0 by decision. His 3 losses, all via decision. Saro gone, undefeated 10 and 0. Of his 10 wins, 4 by KOTK, 3 by sub, 3 by decision. Currently, you have the challenger as the favorite. Sitting right around minus 150. And Ganu comes back at plus 130. Those are straight lines. We'll go, won't go. Five full rounds. We'll go. Two to one. Won't go. Minus 275. You have gone. Wins inside. Plus 170. You have gone. Wins by decision. Plus 275. And Ganu wins inside. Plus 140. And Ganon wins by decision. This one's a very, very wide. It either goes from 9 to 1 all the way up to 18 to 1 on the champion to win by decision. Fight is a draw 70 to 1. It's kind of strange to see the non champion, the challenger, be the favorite. But when you look at this, Sarah Gan and Francis Ngannou actually opened pretty much even. You could get even on Gan at some point, and you could get Ngannou at even. You get both of them right around minus 105 to minus 115. So it was the public, really, that moved this line to Sarah Gan's favor. And you won't see a lot of people talk about that. They'll just say, oh, Gan's the favorite. But they're not really looking at the books thought that this was a pick and fight either way. So when we're talking about the current odds, yes, he is the favorite. But that's because the public likes him. Now, why would the public like him? Of course, he's undefeated. But there's a lot of undefeated fighters out there that maybe aren't proven. Maybe not on this level. And Ganu brings the power. So why do people like Gan? Well, he's talented. I mean... From what we've seen of him, he's a very talented fighter. And as we always talk about, styles make fights. And stylistically, you could see that he could present problems for Ngannou because he's more of a point fighter than Ngannou, even though he has something like seven finishes between his KOs and his submissions. He's okay just touching you, touching you, touching you. And if he has to do that all night and go three or five rounds and win on the cards, he's okay with that. He's not going to put himself in a terrible position to try to get a finish. If it's there, obviously he goes for it. But technically he's sound. He has much better footwork. 
than Engano, and I would argue has much better overall technique than Engano. Of course, anytime you talk about Francis, you have to talk about the power, and that is his equalizer. He can make a lot of mistakes, and he only needs one shot to erase all of those mistakes. So when you're looking at this fight, on paper, this is why people like Sarogan, because technically... He has advantages over Francis Ngannou. And I would argue he probably has a cardio advantage as well over Francis. And I think that could be a big factor if he can make it out of the first couple of rounds with Ngannou. Because if he hasn't taken a lot of damage, if he hasn't been dropped, if he hasn't been really hurt in the fight, I think rounds 3, 4, and 5, you would have to consider those... Saragon rounds if up until that point he's able to touch Nganu, get out of the way and not take a lot of damage during those exchanges. Three, four, and five could possibly be some of his better rounds. Obviously with Francis, the danger is always going to be there, but we know early on he's super duper dangerous. So you have to be very careful engaging Francis early on. Even if it's a wild sloppy technique, we've seen it many times before. If he can land, he can put you down and put your lights out. I think that's going to be the case here against Sarah Gan. I still think even though Gan brings these techniques and tools and advantages into this fight against Francis, just like everybody else that has faced Nganu, you're going to have to be careful that you don't get hit with one of those big haymakers. It doesn't matter how technically sound you are. If you happen to make one teeny tiny little mistake, Francis can get you out of there. So I can understand why people like Gan, and I can also understand why people have jumped ship on the other side and said, wait a minute, Francis has proven he's at this level, he's fought the better competition, and he brings the power. Sure, maybe he has disadvantages here and there, but overall it only takes one from Francis, and Sarah Gan has to fight a perfect fight, especially early. Now, when you're looking at these lines, obviously if you're going straight, there's not much to talk about. If you got the earlier lines, basically you can make a case for either guy because like I said, it was pretty much even money. And so you could say, well, I took the champ, got him at even money or minus 105. Or you say, I like the technical skills of gone. And so I got him at even or minus 105. Makes sense. But with the line that we're currently looking at, you'll have to make a little bit of a decision here. It doesn't mean you still can't take them straight, especially if you like Nganu. You're getting the plus 130, plus 125 straight. Personally, I think if you like Nganu, you're not going to take them straight. The books obviously think the same thing. As you can see, Nganu wins inside is roughly 140 to 150, where you have Nganu wins by decision, like I said at the opening. Plus nine, all the way up to 1800. They do not expect Engano to win by decision. Why? Again, we've already talked about the cardio. We've talked about the way that he fights. You know his knockout percentage, his record. You understand what he brings to the game. And especially when you match him up against a guy like Saro Gan. And the way that Gan is a Wonder Boy S type of point fighter. He likes to lure you in again. Cautious and safe. Okay with just doing what's working and not stepping outside of what's working. 
it's going to be very difficult for Francis to retain the title and win on points. I personally don't see that happening because I think if he's able to get to Saragon enough to win rounds, he is probably going to finish him. So I think if you like Francis and Ganu, then you just take the big bad boy to knock Gan out and fight like he normally does, land a power punch, retain the title, and go on from there. Speaking of going on from there. The intangible here is the situation with Francis and Ganu, the UFC and Dana White. If you don't know, they are like in a rocky relationship. I believe this is Francis's last fight on his contract or one more if he wins. There's some shenanigans there with that. Francis wants new contract, new money. He also wants to box Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury wants to box him. The UFC has said no. There's a lot of behind-the-scenes drama going on with Francis and the UFC, and it's not recent. This has been going on for a long time. Going back to, I believe, the Derek Lewis fight is when I remember that Dana was throwing shade at Francis, saying his head got too big, he thought he was a superstar, he didn't train, and then he put on that performance that was abysmal, and the decision lost to Derek, where I don't know if anybody threw more than five punches the entire fight. And so there's been some there's been some back and forth between Dana and Francis for a long time and it's just bubbling up right now. So it's curious to see how that's affected Francis and if he's fully motivated to win this fight. And you may say, "What?" But think about it. What if he doesn't want to fight for the UFC anymore? I believe and you can correct me if I'm wrong and I know you will. But when he came over here and made his journey uh it was originally to be a boxer, if I recall. And then he and he kind of morphed into an MMA fighter. But imagine the money that he could make one fight against Tyson Fury if he wasn't under contract with the UFC. Now, I don't know all the inner workings. If he loses the fight, can he be released? Does the UFC have the ability to match anything that he does? Do they have automatic renewal? Whatever. I don't know all the details on his contract, but I know there are issues there. And I know that Francis sees huge dollar signs if he could cross over and get a fight with Tyson Fury. If he could win, that's another whole subject matter. But he's not happy with the money that he's getting paid in the UFC. I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has heard before that he's had to borrow money for training camps. This is the UFC heavyweight champion we're talking about. You've heard these stories before from a lot of fighters, so it's nothing new. But it's interesting going into this fight, especially if it is his last fight in the contract. And and if he doesn't win, it doesn't get renewed automatically. And then they have to negotiate. Does he have the ability to jump ship? That's interesting to me because you don't know where his mind is at. What if he's like, who the hell cares about this belt? Who cares if I win this because I want to go do X, Y, Z? Whether it was Bellator, PFL, whether it was a full-time boxer, get a fight with Tyson Fury. If it was just get as far away from Dana White and the UFC as possible, maybe that's his mindset. No, this isn't going to happen, but imagine how hilarious this would be. Bell rings. They come out to the center, not even center. Francis takes a step, two steps, bends down taps on the mat, walks out of the octagon. What? If you were going to go out, (laughs) if you were going to throw a big F you to Dana White, the UFC, and the peanuts that they're throwing at these fighters, man, what a way 
to do it. He would be on every single headline, on every single website, newspaper. Do they still exist? Every single sports and non-sports. This would be a tremendous headline story. The UFC champion of the world comes out, bell rings, just taps the mat, loses by submission. Uh, Saragon never lands a punch. They never get close to one another. And they'd be like, what the hell happened? Then, a worldwide audience, he can air his grievances about the UFC, Dana White, the pay structure, the contract negotiations, all the stuff that he's been talking about. And people kind of understand, of course, the the fight junkies out there, the people that are the degenerates that follow the sport in and out day and night, they understand. But the worldwide, you know, the, the casuals out there, the mainstream media that's not paying attention to the situation that's going on in the UFC as far as pay for a long, long time. And listen, caveat, full warning here. I am big on fighter pay. I believe they do deserve to get paid more than what they are. And I understand the argument. They signed the contract. They signed the contract. But it's also almost like a monopoly. There's not a lot of people and organizations that are competing with the UFC. And this is why you want competition. You want competition as a consumer because you get a better product and you want competition as a fighter because you have options. We've seen many, many fighters that have left the UFC and went to Bellator and like the pay structure and the sponsorships better. And you wouldn't think that because you think of Bellator as a lower tier than the UFC. The same thing with PFL, some of these tournaments that are going on and they're making more money than what was going on in the UFC, even if you're a top tier fighter. And of course, a crossover in boxing where these guys like Woodley and Askren are making more money in one fight than they made in their entire careers. I mean, you can't put your head in the sand and ignore the pay issues forever. So even though we know it's not going to happen, Francis isn't going to do that. I think it would be spectacular if he did. So back to the fight. If you like Francis, I think you're just taking him inside. That's generally the way he's going to win anyway. And against Saragon, stylistically, I think that's his best chance. With Gon, it gets a little tricky here because I don't really consider him a finisher. But again, when you look a little bit closer, four KOs, three submissions, that's seven out of ten. He's only been to decision three times. Now, I don't think he's going to be able to legitimately hurt Francis Ngannou on the feet. There's nothing in Ngannou's past that suggests to me that he doesn't have anything but an iron chin. So I, even though I think Sarogan has a technical ability and I think he could piece him up on the feet, meaning land a lot of shots where Ngannou's just taking him, you know, trying to block and not getting off his own offense, I think it's going to be hard for, for Gan to really put damage on Ngannou on the feet and really hurt him drop him, even stop him like that, I think that's a bit of a stretch. The cardio issues here, if we're talking in a long fight and maybe going three, four, and five, I think that gives a better advantage to uh, Saragon. We've already talked about that. But again, does that lead to a stoppage? I think Gon's going to use a lot of leg kicks. I think that'll probably help with the mobility of Nganu. Ngannou's not very mobile in the first place. I don't think he has really fast feet. So I think you're going to see a point style of fight from Saragon. I think he's going to hit um, Ngannou high and low. I think he'll use the, the low leg kicks there to try to keep Ngannou on the outside. So there's a potential there if he was really chewing up the legs. 
all day and all night. Of course, we've seen that before. You take the wheels out. You can get stoppages like that. I think that's not necessarily going to happen, but I think it's possible to happen if he's able to make sure that he keeps Ngannou at a distance. There's a possibility that happens again. If we're talking about the early line, you don't have to break it down this much because you basically got even money on either guy. And if we're talking about Cerro gone, then you're just going to take the straight bet. It's only because the line's starting to shift a little bit higher in favor of Cerro gone that you need to look at this. And maybe if you're not comfortable looking at the straight line and you're trying to eke out a little bit more for your money and trying to get a little bit more of an advantage, then this is what we're talking about here. I think... The three to one, I believe it is, on Sarah Gone by decision is really, really high. He's anywhere from plus 225 to three to one by decision. And to me, that is not out of the realm of possibility. Where you may have a tired and broken down Nganu, who's still always going to be dangerous. And with the natural mentality of Sarah Gone, who kind of plays it safe anyway, who goes, I'm winning these rounds. I don't need to, you know, open up and risk being knocked out. I could see that happening. I really could. So if you wanted to sprinkle a little something, something on either side for Sarah gone, if you were looking to pick your poison in that spot, I really think you might take the higher line and go three to one by decision. Now, we've already spoke about and you have to you have to take into consideration the situation that's going on with Francis mentally I don't know mentally where he's at and the reason I bring that up is because look at the Derek Lewis fight nobody in the world thought that fight was going to go the distance and nobody in the world thought they would both fight the way they did but they had a silent agreement where nobody wanted to engage if Francis really doesn't give a rat's ass about winning this fight, not saying that he's going to just give up, but he's like, if I land a knockout shot, I land it. If not, I don't. If he's not 100% committed to going through the fire and having to push through the way that he normally does, and he's just passive and doesn't let his hands go again like he did in that Derek Lewis fight, then obviously Sarah Gan is not only going to win, but he's going to pretty much be able to dictate how he wins. Does he open up against a passive uh, Francis Ngannou and go for that finish? Or does he just say a win is a win is a win? I mean, those are the issues that you're looking at when you're trying to pick a side on Sarogan because he has the ability to finish, but he always doesn't go for that finish. That's different with Francis. Francis has the ability to finish. And generally speaking, outside of that Derek Lewis fight, most of the time, he's trying to rip your head off. So I really think in this fight, even with the lines the way they are now, I think you're safer going with Saragon straight. And I think for Francis, you go inside. If you want to sprinkle a little something-something on Saragon, I like the decision at 3-1. to one. For my money, I think you have to favor Saragon here. I really do think that technically he is better than Nganu. I think he has the cardio advantage. I think he's going to be able to dictate the rounds and score more often than Nganu. But as we always say, 
it only takes one shot from Francis Ngannou to retain that title. So that's a danger here. And if we're back in Ghana and we're kind of thinking this is going to be a long, drawn-out fight, remember we talked about rounds three, four, and five potentially being really nice rounds for Cyril Ghana if he can make it there then you're going to be on the seat of your chair the entire fight. You're going to be holding your breath every time Francis Ngannou throws a punch because with his type of power, it doesn't take much for him to change the entire course of the fight. So if you're backing Gon, just realize that going in. Adjust your bets accordingly because even if you like every aspect of him, you have to be careful because you could be winning four out of five rounds. Hell, you could be winning five out of five rounds with a minute left, 30 seconds left, two minutes left, and Francis can put his lights out. So I just want to put that out there that even though we like Gone here and even though we like the technical aspect and the tools that he brings, and if you're backing Gone, you also like the, the drama that's going on with the UFC and Francis behind the scenes. We don't know how that's playing with him mentally but at the same time you always have to be careful when you're facing a fighter like Francis Ngannou that can turn your lights out with either hand that's it for this episode of Fight Junkie I will sock it to you tomorrow baby Fight Junkie out